Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Mm, Which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cat Disgusted, a podcast for veterinary technicians and the people and animals who love them. Each episode, we explore the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson. I'm an RVT and veterinary technician specialist in emergency and critical care. And this is what happens. Hello, darlings. Uh, Welcome back to Cat Disgusted. Today is different. Uh, Some of you may have seen uh, the FB post on the Cat Disgusted Facebook page that I've recently poached some friends from another friend of mine. Uh, My Berkeley rep homie, Zochi, is who I poached these friends from. Zochi was interviewed on a podcast called Uncharted Territory. Uh, And territory, I should specify since this is an audio format. It's there are two names of the host, Territory, T-A-R-A slash T-O-R-I. And they've wittily combined their names on the theme for the theme of their podcast. So the reason why Zochi was on their show, first of all, she's super good friends with both of them. But also the point of uh, Tara and Tori's podcast is to interview people that have changed careers. So they've gone on new adventures. Uh, Zochi is a sound engineer, a theatrical sound, a sound engineer that I used to work with at Berkeley Rep. And she has since changed over to being a stay-at-home mom and also an upcycled clothing entrepreneur. Uh, her friends, Tara and Tori, are also former theater people, stage managers, no less. So as I'm listening to this podcast episode about changing careers at New Adventures and these lovely friends talking to each other, I'm like, uh, I want to be at that party. <laughs> so uh, they're super great. And they're supportive of all things New Adventures and careers. We're the same people. So I had to get in touch with them. So I reached out to both of them. And they totally invited me on the show, which I wasn't really expecting. I was just I was just kind of being like, hey, you guys are rad. And like, you know, I do a podcast too. And like, maybe we can be home podcast homies. But they invited me for an interview, which I was so humbled by. And uh, that's what we're going to listen to today is the Uncharted Territory interview with, with me, which is so exciting. I very much encourage you to subscribe to their podcast. They've got um, guests that are are all former theatrical people in some shape or form that are now doing other things with their lives and have found happiness in that. Uh, They've got a website, unchartedterritory.com, with no slashes in there. It's just uncharted, T-A-R-A-T-O-R-I.com. And you can find all their episodes there as well as all the information on all of their guests. 
that they've had on the show. Uh, I think that you're going to love them as much as I do. And they're putting really good energy out into the world, especially at a time where many, many people are having to shift around their visions of what they thought careers were going to be in 2020 and 21, um, especially in the entertainment industry. So without further ado, here is Uncharted Territory with your special guest. Five, six, seven, eight, go. Welcome, everybody, to Uncharted Territory, the podcast about the sometimes planned, sometimes unexpected journey people take to find their happiness. I'm Tori Sheehan. And I'm Tara Kelly. Welcome. This week, we are hanging out with Nicole Dickerson, a registered veterinary technician. Like Tori and myself, Nicole is a former equity stage manager, and she is going to share with us the journey from live performance to animal care and some of the interesting ways they intersect. I have to say, we hadn't ever spoken prior to this interview, but from the moment we started emailing, I knew there was going to be much fun had by all. <laughs> and I know you're going to have fun too. But before we get to Nicole... And now it's time for messages from the territory. 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 Tori, <laughs> it's another new segment. <laughs> oh my God. I know. So this one is where we read emails or reviews and answer questions or just say thanks. So this week we have one letter from Eliza and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here are the highlights. Hello. I love your podcast. I'm still not Ooh. sure if you only interview former theater people or is it any career change or any change at all. Either way, I love your podcast. You're great interviewers who do not interrupt each other or your guests. XOXO Gossip Girl. Um, I mean, <gasps> Eliza. I always wanted to say that. I'm so sorry, Eliza. I just, my dream was always to say XOXO Gossip Girl. But seriously, thank you, Eliza, for writing in. And I'm just going to say that some of that is the magic of editing, but I'm going to let Tori tackle the question, which she didn't know until this moment. Oh, so surprise. Horrible. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. When you're starting off a podcast and you are not, you know, oof, Anna Ferris, David Tennant, Jonathan Van Ness, or even Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hartsark, you don't... Uh, you don't have any name recognition and you don't have an agent. So you sort of have to rely upon the people you know. Both Tara and I are theater professionals who have turned away recently. Um, and so all of the friends that we know who, who we think about when we think about people who have uh, made a sudden change in their lives are theater people. So while yes, currently statistically, we are working with a lot of theater people who have made career changes, we are also very much in the market for non-theater people who have made non-theater related lifestyle changes. And also it does not have to be about career. It can be about, I done picked up and left Kansas for, for, for England, you know? Like it can be kind of anything. It can be, a, you know, a discussion about a relationship. You know, there's, there's a lot of unknowns in life that can be applied where you're standing on the precipice of a decision of keep going what you're going or try something new 
and we're looking around the river bend for <laughs> anyone who's willing to talk. Yeah. Seriously. Write in. Let us know. Uh, we found our last few guests that way. Um, yeah. By just random contact. So, yeah, it's open to all. And I think Tori did excellent with that. Um, it's kind of fun. I'm going to keep lobbing surprises at you. <laughs> uh, I love I love improv. I love it. <laughs> and that was messages from the territory. 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 So now that you know that we lo- that we love to hear from our listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast at all, please head over to Apple and click those stars, write us those reviews. Do that anywhere you listen. It's going to help us keep sharing all these great humans and their stories with you. We love reading your emails, just like with Eliza, so you too could have your letter read right here on the podcast. Plus, keep your eye on our website and social media for more ways to connect. We might be cooking up some new things for you just saying um you can find us on our website (laughs) you can find us on our website at unchartedterritory.com and all our links are available on linktree at uncharted territory that's uncharted tara tori like our names okay now i have an announcement something fun that we're cooking up for you all our first podcast crossover that's right and while i tell you all about it i'm going to play some music okay Perfect. So, the guys from the Everyday Nonsense podcast are having us over. Mm. Virtually, of course, to their Pinstripe Saloon. Heck yeah! If you're not familiar with the Everyday Nonsense podcast, if you're not familiar with Mike Mundy and Matt Santarpia, if you don't know that they discuss nonsensicals that are on everybody's minds, or sometimes just their own, then you obviously haven't been listening to the Everyday Nonsense podcast. (laughs) But seriously, they are a lot of fun. And full disclosure, I went to high school with those guys. And I mean, I've known Matt since we were like three years old. Anyway, Mike and I have been chatting and trying to align our schedules. And now we are saying it out loud on both of our podcasts. So we have to make it happen. That's just how it works. Oh, and by the way, they can't wait to meet you, Tori. (laughs) Um, I honestly think that you and Matt are going to be able to talk for like a thousand hours about your big family holiday dinners. Oh, yeah. Anyway, they played our promo and they talked us up a bit on their February 6th episode. And they mentioned how much they liked the music in our promo, which was what all that music stuff was for when I was talking about it. Um, That was just all for them. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. Anyhow, keep your eye out. Uh, for more information about when that is going to happen, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But do you know what else was a lot of fun? <laughs> Listening to our promo again, because I haven't listened to it since October. And now here we are with Nicole bringing you our 16th episode. Our sweet 16. Sweet 16. Aww. And speaking of Nicole, you may be listening to this episode on the Cat Disgusted podcast feed. So if that's you, hey, hello. How are you? Hi. We've already <laughs> <laughs> we said it already in this intro, but we had a great time during this interview. And we want to thank all you Cat Disgusted fans for listening. All right. With that, friends, we are going to take a quick break and be right back with Uncharted Happiness. And sadness departed And all that's left to give is happiness uncharted 
Welcome to Uncharted Happiness, a segment where each week we share the thing that is making our week. Whether it be a new app or food or service we discovered, a person or a purchase we're grateful for, or some other act, random act of kindness that made our week that much better. So, Tori, what's bringing you the happy this week? What is, what is happiness, truly? <laughs> so, Tara and I were supposed to go on tour for Janice, oh. uh, the show that we met on, several years ago. And when that did not happen, we were paid out, which is the, one of the fun things of being in a union is that if they cancel on you, you get paid a certain amount, mm -hmm. which is very nice. I took some of that money at the time and bought myself a smaller Samsung tablet. Basically, it was because the Barnes & Noble was no longer supporting the Nook, mm. which was an e-reader that was also a tablet at the time. And that was what I was using. And so I wanted to upgrade before it became obsolete. And when I did that, I ended up putting it in the old e-reader cover tablet that I had because it looked like the TARDIS. And I was I was very enamored oh. of this item. And, but it didn't fit oh. because it was smaller. It was smaller. It was thinner. It was very classy. The places where like the little corner elastics were, were covering buttons. It was a disaster. Oh. And so I've been shuffling along with that for three and a half years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is fine. Like I figured out, like I started like stapling the, the elastic so that it would like stay, stay where it should be staying. And like I, you know, it, it had a great pocket that would hold like a little keyboard because I started using it for digital work in the rehearsal room. But like ever since I, I left theater, I stopped using it as a work device and started just using it for reading comics or like occasionally playing Netflix or streaming CNN when I'm trying to do, when I'm doing other things. And so this past week, I was able to make a purchase of a wonderful cover from Etsy that actually fits. So I've been very happy with my purchase from Elizabeth David Design in Birmingham, Alabama. Ooh. It's a fantastic cover. It's very cushy. It's very classy. It has stars on it. It has a lovely pocket. It's got a little elastic to keep it shut, and it fits. It fits like a glove. Like she she emailed she messaged me to make sure that it was that we had the right model number because of course you know they've put out similar ones since because it's three years old <laughs> uh, or like five years old because I because I think they I literally think they came out with a newer version two months after I bought it. Of so course. like it's fine. <laughs> that's that's like the story of my life. Right. <laughs> but um, this wonderful item has been making me very happy because I feel like I don't have to try to keep my tablet from falling out of its cover when I hold it. And it's just very light and delicate. And I love it very, very much. So very happy about it. Well, my happiness is and I know we sort of talked about it a little bit in the last episode, the Josh Real episode, but our new music officially I just received like we were promoting it <laughs> during the last episode when we recorded it but like I hadn't really heard it and I mm. just want to say how incredibly excited I am to have a theme song which sounds super super nerdy but like Aww. it's kind of like you know it's it's the new girl like I think of when I I loved TV when I was growing up and my favorite thing was like you know theme songs not 
it wasn't my favorite thing. But like I loved that everything had a theme song. And so like I reached out to our first guest, Josh Kreitzman, and asked him if he would do this thing, this sort of incredible thing, as pretty much a favor because we have no money. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, let me think on it, Pink. And then he came back with this lovely song that he wrote for us called Uncharted Happiness. And I just listened to it like last night as we're recording this. I just heard it for the first time produced last night, but it came out so great. And I've never had a theme song before. And that's sort of, I don't know, maybe everybody does this. I always think of my life as like a TV show that I'm the star of. I mean, kind of that's what everybody does, even if they don't put it into that kind of words but you know what I mean like you're sort of the star of your own tv show when you're living your life or at least you should be if somebody else is the star of your tv show and you're as you're living your life then I suggest examining what's happening in your life but so (laughs) I'm the star of my own tv show and now I finally have a theme song and it makes me super super happy which is I know kind of like a thing we've talked about and it's kind of nerdy and it's kind of whatever but it makes me really happy and that's the thing that really is making my week this week is our new song uncharted happiness uh written by my dear friend joshua kreitzman uh and that's all i got yeah and friends that is uncharted happiness all right folks i think it's time for us to get into the episode sounds good nicole take it away used to travel Uncharted territory, Nicole Dickerson, RVT, VTS, ECC. Oh, thank you. I know. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. Um, You are actually a friend of uh, Sochi, who was on our podcast a few weeks ago. So we're very excited to have you. Oh, I 100% poached her friends. I was like, oh, this is this this is happening. (laughs) <laughs> and we're kind of really glad you did because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel like we're going to walk away from here um, with a new friend because Aww. I am super psyched mm-hmm. about this because I've I we take turns prepping episodes and I've been prepping this one. And I kept emailing and texting Tori. I was like, do you know this about Nicole? I was like, do you know what I found out by Internet stalking Nicole? Do you know what else I found out about Nicole by Internet stalking her? Um, so we are I have very, to say, I, I, did, I did not realize until. <laughs> Until I was putting those links together and, and emailing mm-hmm. you, I was like, oh, there's a lot of things on the internet that I have in this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that's fine. Like, everybody can find me all walks of life. It should be okay. But yeah, but I was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of different. This this is why I'm on this podcast. There's all these right. different wacky mm-hmm. things. <laughs> all right. So, Nicole, what we like to do is with with these 
podcast, we like to start at the beginning, Nicole. So why do you not tell us? Why do you not tell us? What is that question? Um, why don't you? T- <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you? Why don't you? <laughs> why do you not? Why don't you tell us what you went to school for and what you thought your original career path was going to be? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think that like many veterinary technicians, you know, my my path to get here was very convoluted. But so, you know, so I so I started with let's see, how far back do I go? You know, you know what? I just filled out this like stupid Facebook, like little thing of class of 1996 for high school. So I feel like I've been thinking about that, like how I got into theater. So really, really where it started, probably the same for you guys. I did, um, I did theater in high school and I didn't even know that Mm -hmm. technical theater was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I ended up with this, uh, like a project making props for a show and I met this guy who was this, at the time, very young, enthusiastic, always dressed in black tech theater nerd carpenter prop guy. And he was would tell me about stage managers and like backstage technicians while we would like hang out in the prop shop together. And so that's kind of how I discovered there was this whole other side of live theater that I had no idea even existed and he was a lighting guy so he was really into like lighting design and we talked about the in, I mean we had like you know like maybe one electric in that high school theater but like he showed me all the things I thought <laughs> it was really cool so I actually went to college for lighting design like that was what I thought I was gonna do because I, th- I thought it's like you know there there I had the um the vision of like painting with it and that's how he would put it he's like you paint with the light on stage and I was like oh um, yes I will paint yes but it was (laughs) it was very technical like I mean I didn't know any kind of drafting I didn't know any kind of like real electronics or electrics or anything like that I was a very much not a technocrat in that way but going to college um, I went to Humboldt State University and that's like a very artsy small tiny little school tucked up with a bunch of hippies in the middle of the woods and so they weren't really that focused on on the technical aspect of lighting design at the time you know this is like 97 98 is mm-hmm. when I was first you know up there and so I loved I loved so much like the the research that went into like the, the like if there was a historical play like you know what the lighting coming through the window would have looked like is it a city is it outdoors like gobos were like my thing I bought this gobo that was all these like it was like a glass thing with all these Julie glass things and it would rotate and I was like yes for fences <laughs> like you know I was like yes this is gonna be the Humboldt State version of fences with a rotating disco <laughs> gobo <laughs> I love Loved that type of thing. Oh my god! <laughs> right? <laughs> I was into it. I was like, oh yes. But you know, that's that's how that's how it was there. Like it was very. You could do whatever you wanted, and so I thought that I thought that was just. I thought that was the best. So so designing lights in college, I had a great time. But then I found that you know because I liked the process so much, I would often be you know in in tech rehearsal. Like, you know, I didn't realize, I don't think I really put it together until college that there was this, the stage manager also called all of those cues. And I loved mm-hmm. cueing shows. Like, I thought that was really fun in tech rehearsal to put that together. And then I realized that the stage manager is the one that gets to call all those cues that I really like putting together. And I was like, oh. And, you know, and sometimes in those smaller shows at Humboldt State, you don't have a stage manager, so you end up doing it yourself. And I really loved that element of it so I'm like oh wait a minute so 
So this job, you get to call the cues. <laughs> and then I would talk to my line design professor and he was like, oh yeah, if you want to work full time in theater, then you just be a stage manager because you'll never be out of work. You're always working. Somebody always needs you. Line design, well, that's harder. You're always freelance and you know, you got to travel a lot and you're always in tech rehearsal. I'm like, uh-oh. Mm -hmm. And this was like, as I'm getting closer to graduation so I I kind of made I made the shift like I was like you know I don't know that I love doing this in college but I don't know that outside of college is going to be the same like I was the last class to graduate without taking a computerized drafting class like we did everything by hand and I didn't really like that that much so then they were like oh yeah we got to all learn computerized drafting I'm like Ugh. but I just want to do disco gobos I don't know if I really want <laughs> you know like I, it didn't appeal to me and so I was like okay well if I'm a stage manager, I'm working. My mother will enjoy that. So I'll just go ahead and do this full-time thing. And so I stage managed both halves of Angels in America in my last, like, two years that I was at Humboldt State. And that changed my life. Like, I like I loved that process. I loved the people. We had, like, a collapsing Brooklyn Bridge. And we flew our own angel. And we worked, like, 14-hour days for, like, four months or something to get that show up off the ground. And so, like... I loved it. I was like, I'll do this. This is good. I'm good. I will do this. This is cool. There's a union. Great. Health insurance. Great. Good. Covered. Love it. And so, and so that's what I decided to do. So then after college, I um, worked in, I worked in a couple different places. I was in Salinas, California, which is where John Steinbeck was famously living for a very long yes. period of time. Yes. That's all they got, by the way, in Hartnell College, which is where I was. <laughs> Those two things. That's what <laughs> Selena says. And so I, I, there was a, a graduate of Humboldt State who worked who worked at Hartnell College, a community college, and they did um, these big musicals, like giant musicals with like 100 people, 60 to 100 people. And uh, it was very community-based. And so that's where I actually got my first outside of college gigs as the head stage manager, uh, not union at the time yet. But like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Like it, it fresh out of college and you have to manage like, you know, 60 people. That's like a huge, that's a huge undertaking. But I just on Angels mm -hmm. in America, we flew our own angel. I'm like, no, I got this. If I, can fly, if I can fly that chick from yeah. right to left. <laughs> I got this. So I really wow. learned, yeah, I learned baptism by fire at, at the Western stage. That's what it's called, the Western stage at Hartnell College. They're great. And then from there, I went to work at uh, the another theater, which is in Carmel, called the Pacific Repertory mm -hmm. Theater, and they had equity contracts. And so they, the, right, which I was all, oh. And so I moved over to that theater because that was where I could get my equity card. And so I got my equity card there working on a show with Olympia Dukakis. And so but it was like an immediate, Ooh. I know, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. This is kind of, it's funny, like it's kind of like a string of like, of, of famous people that I ended up I don't know. People just kind of were like, oh, Nicole will deal with these people. Let's hire her. So I ended up this like mm -hmm. weird like string of kind of oddball famous people. And it was it was crazy. But it was fun, <laughs> you know, but it was good. I mean, I feel like that's that was my that was my introduction into equity stage management. And I got the thing where like, you know, they hire you with the contracts. So you don't have to do the hours. They're just like, boop, in you go. So nice. I got the card, which is great. And then from that point on, I mean, you know, I was bouncing around from 
like ACT and Berkeley Rep. And I, I moved to San Francisco because I really wanted to do equity work in San Francisco. So I just bounced around all the equity theaters like Cal Shakes and um, the Magic Theater, which does which does all new plays. So that's always a gamble. And that, so I just kind of did, I, I called it the circuit. Like I just did like the equity circuit, like, you know, going from like, you know, ACT to Cal Shakes in the summer to Berkeley Rep, Magic Theater thrown in there somewhere, Marine Theater Company thrown in there somewhere. And then I did, so I did that for about, oh, I want to say like probably like, ten, probably like 10 years, eight years, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But like you all are well aware, it is a rough, it's a rough and tumble existence to be freelance stage management. I mean, like you're not, mm-hmm. no, no paid vacation. You have one day off a week, which you're, which is a kind of, because your phone is going to ring. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of, I mean, like you're there at the beginning, you're there like an hour or two before rehearsal. You're there an hour or two after rehearsal. Like those days at California Shakespeare Theater were literally, you know, 16 hours long during tech week. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know thrilling for yeah. a young yeah. ambitious <laughs> person yes. mm-hmm. which I, I feel like you know I always thought like you know the stage manager is always the one who has to hold it together like that's always the one who has to be the most calm in the room they have to be the most even if they don't know what the fuck is going on you have to act like you do so mm-hmm. like you know they're always that they're the barometer of how things are so I always felt like as soon as you start to think to yourself oh who cares or like, oh, yep. whatever, it's fine. You're done. <laughs> because if you don't do it, you're the you're where the buck stops. Like if you don't do it, nobody else will, or the director's gonna try, and then it's all it all goes to shit. So it's like, you know, you can't <laughs> you know <laughs> like if yeah. if they start to do your job, oh you might as well do that's it. Everybody just go ahead and drown because then it's gonna be over. <laughs> so i I feel like I started to feel that way a little bit. And I, I this um there's a there's a crazy because you, you know the world is very small in the bay area and there's a, there was a crazy dinner theater called teatro zanzani they were on pier 29 in san francisco for, for quite a few years and a friend of mine who i used to work with at act was the stage manager there but she had she wanted to leave she was given her notice she was going to go do other things and i had subbed in for her uh like kind of a, just like a like a fill-in basis while she did while she went to vacation vacation or whatever because you could do that there you were a mm-hmm. staff member so you could have vacation time and like leave and do something which I was like what is this sorcery <laughs> so we've had your beginning so then we like to fast forward to where you are now and then we'll fill in the rest later oh but yes where are you now what do you do so now I work as uh the animal care supervisor at UCSF um, I work in their laboratory animal department, and so I have a team of about, uh, depending on the day, but it's the, the max the max number of us is seven. There's seven of us who are large animal veterinary technicians, and what we do is we run anesthesia and we take care of all the animals that are part of the research program at UCSF Medical School. So it's quite different <laughs> but at the same time not different from managing yeah. crazies <laughs> I, I had the same feeling i stage managed at SeaWorld san antonio oh and you just start to realize that like whale drama is the same as human drama it's always it's always who's sleeping with who and who's refusing to sleep with who yes and who's assigned to flash his dick in front of everyone (laughs) like it's all the fucking same 
offer. Yeah, so that's so so what I'm doing now, it's kind of like a full circle thing because for a while, you know, like stage management is, you know, like a supervisory role. And then when I first went into doing veterinary technician work, I mean, that's I come into it knowing nothing. I mean, it's such a highly skilled job that you do. And, you know, I went back to school when I was in, you know, like my mid 30s. And so I was like the oldest person in the class knowing, knowing nothing, you know, and had to Mm -hmm. kind of start all over again with learning all these like really specific skills. And now I'm kind of back to the supervisory role, but with also the skills that I learned. So it's kind of interesting that it like, it kind of went full circle where like, once again, I'm kind of in like taking care of people and making sure everybody's happy and that the staff feels satisfied with their job. And it could feel, Mm -hmm. it feels good to do that because it reminds me like, oh yeah, that's right. That's how I got into stage management was because I, I liked, I respect people and I like people and I like them to be happy and like feel like they're do- contributing in a way that's fulfilling for them and fulfilling for us and like, you know, to the greater good. And so I, I feel like that, that part of it has, has been very satisfying for the last year. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I know how to do this. <laughs> I forgot that I know how mm-hmm. to do this. I have a lot of interest in what large animals you're working with. Oh but... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So like, so the, so the way that, uh, the way that it goes now, you know what? I actually think I, what I'll do is I'll tell you guys, cause I feel like the path into laboratory animal medicine is so weird that I feel like, mm-hmm. let, let me take, a, I'm going, I'm going to take you down a route that's going to sound more familiar. That might uh, feed into the question that I was going to ask, which is like, how, why did you decide to change from yes. stage management into yeah veterinary at all into veterinary stuff right into angry cats as opposed to angry actors both both very both very dangerous (laughs) both bring it to your knees real quick (laughs) oh my god yeah so i mean because the the lab animal medicine world is one that actually veterinary technicians aren't even really that aware of like i mean it's 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 a very it's it's a very kind of like it's an esoteric place to be so it what i didn't even entertain that at all when i first started doing this job you know like when i was doing uh, so when I was at Teatro Zanzani, I knew people who worked at the SFSPCA in San Francisco, which is, you know, they, they work with the animal shelter there and they have a huge, like gorgeous hospital that they, that they work out of the spay neuter program there. And I knew some people that were in the cat behavior department there, which I think is such, dis- such like it's disbanded now. I don't think they have a cat behavior department anymore, which makes me so sad because I thought that that was such a hoot that there were two people whose full-time job was basically to manage the shelter cats and make sure they were happy and that like they had the right enrichments and that their adoption program was going well they also they had a cat behavior hotline that people could call with cat behavior questions and I one of my deepest regrets is that we don't have archival voicemails from that hotline Because I can only imagine the types of questions. Because that thing would ring all day long. People asking litter box questions. I have my cats checking my email when I'm not looking. That was one of my favorites <laughs> that my friend told me about. <laughs> oh, that's some good San Francisco going it's, on right there. Are, 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 were these cat behavior problems or human behavior problems? Oh, I'm well, just... see, that's a good question. Yes. <laughs> see, so, so since then, since oh. then, there's the, the, one of the people who worked in that job has since gone on to create his own cat behavior consulting practice call, uh, called, um, oh, it's called Go Cat Go. You should totally look it up. He's got Instagram and all the things. Um, but so 
Go Cat Go is for is formulated from it's based off of the job that he did there. And so he he often will say that he's doing like human therapy in addition to cat therapy. (laughs) It's a a full circle thing. Yeah. So my friends who work there, um, I had more free time when I was at Teatro Zanzani because we only worked four days a week, which is like great because we had a couple days off. And I was like, oh, I want to volunteer and like contribute something. And I've, I've always loved animals. Like I've always loved animals. That's always been a part of my life. Like we had all these pets growing up and I loved the dog I grew up with. And so and, oh, and I had a cat, my cat Todd I had for t- nearly 20 years and he was around for all of this. And so I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I'm gonna do, maybe I'll volunteer at the SFSPA, SFSPCA. That'd be cool. And they said, you know, oh, so first I would do, um, I would go into, it's a very heavy screening process to get in there. So I went through like three weeks of volunteer screening and then they would let you into the shelter kitties who are not yet up for adoption. They were living in their little, like these little kind of like large cages that you could, they were almost like pens that you could go into and all they wanted you to do, they're like, your job is to just socialize them. So just go in there, read the paper bring a cat toy with you like bring a treat if they have like you know an okay treat sign on their cage and then you can just sit with them and they'll get used to humans and I'm like oh sit and read with a cat yeah that's gonna be that yes yes sign me up yes (laughs) so I would sit in there and just like you know hang out with the kitty and pet them or if they were like don't touch me okay no no touchy that's fine we'll just sit here and read together that's fine and I noticed that while I was in there there were these girls that were in scrubs that would come in and like every now and then I'd be in the in the cat's enclosure that they wanted to get into so they'd be like, oh, hi, how's it going? Um, we're here to get Fluffy. Fluffy's going to go get her spay finally. So we're just going to go ahead and take it. And they'd be like, hi, sweetie. And they would take the kitty and they'd be like, oh, okay, do you have everything set up in there? Yeah, I think her pre-meds are already drawn up for blah, 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 blah. And, they, and off they would go. And I was like, oh, they're, they're like nurses, but for animals. That's kind of cool. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I was like, oh, those girls. And they seemed very peppy and like fun and they were like good friends. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then my friend was like, hey, you know, there's this kind of more more intricate, weird thing that you can volunteer for called the cat claw clipping clinic. I'm like, cat, cl- the CCCC? Okay, sure. Cat claw clipping clinic. <laughs> sure. And he's like, yeah, come in on Saturdays. It's 20 bucks and anybody can bring a cat in and we clip all their claws. Okay, sure. Okay, that. Like the cat behavior hotline, this was a, this was a, a touch point for cat crazy in San Francisco was the cat claw clipping (laughs) clinic. But again, it was like lots of, lots of dealing with people, lots of dealing with unique animals and their people. And so I would like restrain the kitties or pet the kitties, or I would do the claw clipping. And it was kind of like vet tech light. Like, you know, I could kind of work with the animals, but not do anything like really that medical, but like get my hands on them and like also deal with the people. And that's very much what being a vet tech is, is just like client interface and like making them feel like you love their animals as much as they do and that they're comfortable and all that and I was like Mm -hmm. okay this is this is cool oh and the vet techs that I had met who would come in and get the kitties for their surgeries they would come in and they would help us with the more difficult patients I thought they were just wizards I was like these girls know what's up and then my own cat was attacked by a dog after rehearsal. Oh. Yeah, while I was working at Teatros and Zani's. My own fault. He was outside. Don't put your cats outside. That means their lifespan is greatly reduced. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I did it. And he was hanging outside and the dog attacked him. Ugh. So at like 1 a.m., I had to take him to emergency. And I was a freaking mess because I'd been up for like 20 hours, like dealing with the circus. And like, here's this ble- bleeding cat. And I like, you know, typical, like what I now know as like typical desperate client like ringing the doorbell (laughs) why and 
this vet tech, she was, she was very, she was all business, but she was also very kind. And she like came up with her stethoscope and she's like, oh, this is your kitty. What's his name? Okay, let's take him to your room and we're going to go ahead and take his vitals and I'll have a look at his wound and I'll go get the doctor. I'm like, okay, I'm tired. Why? Mm-hmm. And we go in there and she was like very, like very, obviously have been doing this for a long time. She's very quick. She's very efficient. She's very kind to the kitty. And then she looked at his wound and was like, I could see like her, like, you know, kind of countenance change. Like she was like, oh yeah, that's, that's going to be a thing. So let me go ahead and get the doctor and we'll get, we'll, we'll go ahead and get a plan together for you. And off she went. And I was like, okay, I'm calming down. I'm feeling, I'm coming down off the like nebulous crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. Who was that freaking superhero that I just ran into? Who was like the me of the vet world like she'd calmed down the disaster but was also really knowledgeable and like knew when to be worried and I was I was amazed by that chick and I decided that that's what I wanted to do like I wanted to be her (laughs) I was like I want to be that person because I could do that like I could make people feel better about like their crises like you know and I could like the medical stuff is interesting and like it it all kind of integrates like a new thing so that so I don't know who she was if she's listening that chick at SFVS at 1 a.m. on that Thursday night or Friday night or whatever with Todd Dickerson you are the reason why I am here today I I hope she's out there because I I thought she was great I know right I think about her all the time but so yeah I went back to school I told Deatro Zanzani bye I'm gonna go do something else and you can keep your crazy where it is and (laughs) I went to Carrington College which is was DeVry at some point or Western Career College or something which was like very expensive but very fast I was like I don't want to be in school forever I just want to get this done um and so uh went to about it was like it was like the it wasn't quite two years. It was like 22 months, like a gestation period of an elephant. It was like just under two years. <laughs> and I got my degree. I got an associates of science in veterinary technology. And I started working um, in clinics around the Bay Area. And I just happened to land at Berkeley Dog and Cat Hospital that had an emergency department, which is always what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and I met uh, my mentor, my emergency mentor. I met there. And she took me on knowing nothing. Like I knew nothing. And she, and they were hiring in their emergency for a swing shift, which is more the shift I'm used to doing, like kind of a little bit later at night, but it would bridge the gap between like the vaccine appointments and then the emergencies at night, which allowed me to learn a lot in like one shift. And she was like, yeah, I'll take you over everybody else. Like you, you seem to be able to do things when I tell you to do them. So that's great. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I will do the things. Yes. All the things. Yeah. And so I worked there for like five years. Um, I moved on to because they were both general practice, like healthy pets, getting vaccines and specialty. I wanted to do all specialty because I was like, that's where that's like the Navy SEALs of vet techs is like the ones who do all specialty medicine, like neurology, oncology and surgery and emergency. And uh, so I moved on from Berkeley Dog and Cat to work uh, at a specialty hospital that was in Dublin which is a little bit of a longer commute, but I was like, whatever, I'm going to be learning. It's fine. And that was where I decided that I was going to do this VTS thing, which is a veterinary technician specialist. So what it means is you have to go through this rigorous process of logging skills, logging cases that you do, um, writing four case reports that are then passed before a committee and they decide whether you're worthy or not to take an exam that is the most terrifying exam that you have ever, like diarrhea-inducing stress exam you have ever... (laughs) 
had in your life. So I did, but I did that and I got my specialty in emergency medicine. And then I went on to work at the same, same hospital group, but a different hospital in Redwood city where I worked with what's called a criticalist, which is some, which is a doctor that's boarded in emergency and special and specialty care. Um, and so did, did all this work though, this is all dogs and cats. I mean, like there's maybe a rabbit thrown in there somewhere. There's maybe some birds thrown up in there, but dogs and cats is mainly what you work with. Um, and it's surgery, it's, uh, placing like advanced vascular access, you know, cats that are on IV fluids, you know, they sometimes if they're, if they, you know, you can imagine they have little teeny weeny legs, little teeny weeny veins. Sometimes you need a more skilled person to place like what's called a central line that goes in a larger vessel in their neck, or maybe in the back of their leg that kind of goes all the way up to their caudal vena cava. And now we start to get into like the language land of like, what? (laughs) So it gets complicated very fast um but I think that that's what I really liked about it was that it was so complicated and yet it's medicine and medicine is very science obviously a world of science (laughs) so it all made sense like it all made sense there was no like oh no let's do it this way or like oh I don't know maybe it's this it's like no no diabetes is this and we have to do this and I'm like yes right that makes perfect sense right so I loved the logic of it and I loved the teamwork of the common goal of treating the illnesses like all of that was really cool and also the people like you know you have to make clients feel like you know what you're doing even when you have no idea what you're doing (laughs) like the circus yeah so I feel like it it all fed into the same thing so now okay so now after working with dogs and cats for so long um, the large animal laboratory department, so very rarely dogs and cats, because companion animals in laboratory and animal medicine, as you can imagine, can be controversial. So what we, mainly the species that I'm working with are, uh, it's, they refer to it as a rabbit and larger, like anything larger than a rat. But I mean, they, so they, you know, it's it, large animals, like people think like, oh, like a cow? I'm like, mm maybe but not today but so they so it's it's uh it's pigs and rabbits I mean pigs and rabbits are the main ones that we that we work with and so it's a very it's all these species that are are very new to me but yet they carry like their own uniqueness to them like intubating pigs is notoriously difficult so I've like learned to do that and like you know all the vessels are in different places and working with primates is really different because there's lots of zoological disease concern there. So you have to be in a lot of personal protective equipment, depending on the type of species that you're working with. So I feel like I once again jumped into a world where I know nothing (laughs) 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 and have to relearn everything. Yeah. So, so that's what I've been doing for the last year, you know, and I, I, I'd been avoiding doing the supervisor role. Um, but in this environment, it was a smaller team. It was, um, it felt more manageable and it felt, I felt really supported because, you know, management in small animal medicine can be just torture because it's it, notoriously underfunded and understaffed. And so if you're trying to be middle management in there, that can be just like, you know, equivalent to self-immolation. But, you know, in this environment, at UCSF, I mean, that's, it's a top rated university. Like you just have a lot of support there. And I was like, you know, maybe this is my, and they respected my emergency specialty, even though that's not really like a hundred percent applicable in my daily anymore. I still am active in it. Like I still write articles for, uh, for journals and I still do public speaking and lecture on topics that are emergency related. And every now and then you got to deal with an emergency in lab medicine as well. 
but it's you know it's they they still very much respect that I did that that I did that specialty and that I have that that under my name and they put my letters on my name and all of my business cards and everything which I think is really cool so <laughs> that's awesome yeah and so now you're doing this vet tech or well this emerge all of the animal things right um, like so after you left theater and started working with animals did you feel like you suddenly had more free time to do oh. other things is that like a is that a thing girl yes you have exactly <laughs> you have exa- you intuited exactly exactly the reason like well some of the reason that i thought this transition would be good for me is because i do feel like it's interesting when you said um hey i found all this like music stuff that that like that's on here like what it, what is all this like I had no idea and I was like oh that's right like that's now like a much larger part of my life than it ever used to be because I could never do when I was stage managing you know when you're stage managing it's really hard to create like art that's based in live performance while you're managing live performance it just it, it, they you can't do it like you, you're the one who's who's managing the performances like there's there's no room for you to do it yourself because all of that is the same time frame right so mm-hmm. I could never I could never I mean I could do it at home um I could do music in college you know because that's kind of a different environment you know but there was no way that I could do it while stage managing so yeah you're absolutely right like being a veterinary technician afforded me some more room in my life like a little better work-life balance to be able to do that and working emergency and you know and this tells you how busy stage management is because anybody who's a veterinary technician in emergency is like girl you are work-life balance ha 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 because like you know em- <laughs> emergency emergency's crazy right it's like it's, there's always something like you know five minutes before the end of your shift and then a dog comes in like with a terrible emergency surgery situation and you're like oh guess i'll be here for the next two hours so it's like even then even that version of it was still better <laughs> than doing yeah. <laughs> this is freelance stage management yeah so, so me- that was very attractive yeah tell everybody what things you're doing then to to balance the work and the life right I mean so so now so working not everybody did the deep dive stalker research thing, <laughs> so you should probably tell everybody else not yeah. yet anyway not yet <laughs> now they'll be like pigs really girl pigs but yes I I definitely I definitely do more of the more of the stuff like I'm able to I'm able to share it too that's the other thing is you were able to find it like you know before I would just like do it at home you would never never nobody ever know um, but so I work it, I do a, um, I do a music duo with my friend Beryl and we just call it Beryl and Nicole. Cause we were wondering what to call ourselves. And I was like, you have a weird name. I think if we just call ourselves Beryl and Nicole, it's fine. <laughs> People will find us. <laughs> so we do. It's true. That's how I did it. <laughs> right. Isn't yeah. that amazing? I know. I love yeah. that. I think it's perfect. <laughs> Um, we do like we're mainly like we're both guitar players um, and I'm a bass player and she oh my god she's so great she plays she plays clarinet and she bought she, she got was given an accordion and so she figured out how to play like a couple chords on the accordion so we just basically find instruments and then see if we can make noise that makes sense <laughs> and um, <laughs> mm-hmm. she's also a ukulele player and I'm a ukulele player so we do a lot of um, we do original songs but we also do a lot of covers of pop songs or like hip-hop songs with the the ukuleles and with the accordion to kind of do our version of it um and we've been performing together for like 
oh man, I want to say it's like seven or eight years now that we've been, that we've been doing it. And it's always fun. I mean, the pandemic puts a big freaking fatty wet blanket on all of it because, you know, now we have to, we, we're not part of the same pod. So a lot of what we do now is sending files back and forth for each other. You probably saw the talking heads video that we, that we put together. That's the, that was one thing on YouTube it was like, we, we did, we did a, we did a cover of once in a lifetime by sending garage oh. band files back and forth. And then Beryl, who's a video maker, video editor, she, we sent video files back and forth and she pieced together a music video for the song so that's the latest oh. thing that Beryl and Nicole have done is the <laughs> oh nice no I didn't find that I watched a like a, I fell down the rabbit hole of watching like a bunch of live performances yeah um, yeah yeah which were super fun but what other things do, you, do are you filling your time with um, oh yes. Yeah. So, uh, so let's see. So I have another, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of the kind of music person where, you know, I'll play anything. Like I listen to everything. I'll play anything. And a, a while ago, actually, while I was still working at Teatros and Zani, there was a, there's a lot of musicians that would work, um, on the wait staff of that show. Those guys were amazing. And we got a lot of different types of people that would all be on the service staff. So I met a bunch of crazy rock and roll musicians while I was working there. And they, like my friend, Paul, who I play with now, he was like, hey, you should come play bass in my band. And, and his, his uh, wife at the time, Jen, is the singer. And so they do that. They call it like crazy space rock, I think is what they call it, San Francisco heavy space rock. And so I, I'm a, mainly I'm a bass player. Like that's the instrument that I learned first and probably the instrument that I think I'm probably best at is is playing electric bass and so I started playing bass in his band um, and then I also was playing bass in a band called Umlaut which was the the drummer was the uh, I know and that's that's one of the links is the Umlaut link that oh, I loved playing in that band that Umlaut was actually while I was talking to Paul Umlaut was actually the first band that um, that I sang and played bass in at the same time so and that was a a metal band that that the drummer was the wait staff manager and then the bar manager oh the bar manager was the drummer and then the wait staff manager she had a best friend who was a guitar player so all interconnected like all interconnected circus people so it's just three of us so umlaut was me on bass um adam on the drums and joel on guitar and so the three of us like played this like really heavy rock and roll music for years until adam moved to hawaii so r.i.p umlaut but it still exists in Bandcamp world which makes me so happy yeah, and so that was, like, the first, like, loud metal band I'd ever been in. And then, like, playing with Paul, we called it the Bedroom Sessions was the beginning of his band because we would just <laughs> hang out in his bedroom and, like, play play his songs together. But now that band, that band has since morphed into this stellar madness, which is still together to this day. And it's mm -hmm. me and Paul and Jen, and we all met at Teatro Zanzani in the Crazy Dinner Circus. And then uh, we recent, the, in the last couple years, we found our drummer Ryan, who is excellent and he's also a sound guy so he's able to record our music so that band I do some singing in but Jen is like the chanteuse of that band like she dresses all crazy and she yells and she screams and she's like so charismatic I just I get distracted watching her on stage I'll be like wow it's quiet oh it's me <laughs> boom 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 yeah so that <laughs> That band is so fun. Um, that one, hopefully, the goal is is that we'll get to start. You know, that one we had to stop rehearsal when the second shelter-in-place wave happened. Because um, I'm still working. Like, you know, veterinary technicians, they've been working this entire time. Right. So, you know, I, I'm the vector. Like, you know, like, I'm the one who might bring the virus to rehearsal. And that virus can't play for shit. So we don't want him there. Right. So, like, you know, 
get we, so we're not, we're trying not to be risky now but hopefully like you know i'm in line for my second vaccine in the next week which is awesome so yeah. we'll resume rehearsal soon is what we're hoping so yeah so this stellar madness is another another project that i'm part of that is very very different from barrel and nicole because it's the loud metal band project and then but it's so fun and then there's a podcast Oh yes, and so then, which which is why I thought that we would like get along just fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, the podcast is the podcast is something that I started a couple years ago when I was working emergency medicine because you know emergency is where it goes down. Like there's just, there's just so many stories and amazing people and amazing animals and like crazy outcomes that happen like on the daily a daily basis in, in veterinary emergency medicine and whenever I would get together with my friends um like you know but I mean everybody always wanted to hear the crazy dinner circus stories but then when I started working emergency veterinary medicine all of a sudden everybody wanted to hear the crazy veterinary emergency stories and so it we came up like I think it was me and me and my best friend from high school she was like god you know she's like you should like write these down or like maybe like leave us like a voicemail once a week so we can always have these stories every week and I had just (laughs) kind of started listening to podcasts you know and I was like boy, I guess I could, I mean, what if I just like turn the mic on and I'll just like tell the stories like I tell my friends and that'll be the podcast, like just talking about, and you know, not a lot of people know, I mean, I feel like, you know, the the veterinary technician world, n- not everybody knows what we do, you know, it's a very... <laughs> It, it in itself is a bit of a backstage thing. Like that's something I've said before too. Like technicians are technicians are technicians. Like, I mean, whether you're a backstage technician or a veterinary technician, it is a highly skilled job in a high stress environment with people who have come from all walks of life with a passion to do this crazy thing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that does not change. <laughs> so, you know, I, so, so I decided to just, you know, do a, do story time. And then in doing that, you know, I discovered it's funny because I can kind of I can tell, too, like when we're talking like, you know, that I'm talking about stage management. And then if I start to get like really into the nitty gritty of like the emergency specialty stuff, it's like I can feel as I'm talking like the tone changes and the language changes. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, where is she going with this? I don't know, I don't know anything. Mm. It's a diabetes <laughs> central line, kitty. I don't know what that is. Um, but, you know, but everybody knows a vomiting cat. And so then I was like, OK, well, let's I'll try to bridge this gap between. I want it to be interesting to veterinary technicians because of the science and the stuff that we do. But I also want it to be interesting to people who own animals so that they can understand like when something goes wrong, like where we are coming from and what you're spending your money on because it's so expensive and so crazy and hard to understand the steps in the process that your animal may have to go through. So I try to make the podcast like kind of Switzerland, like neutral, like anybody can listen to it. It'll be entertaining. But also if you're interested in the science, then like we'll go down rabbit holes about disease. Like I'd have an episode on rabies. I have an episode on... um, xylitol toxicity like sugarless gum is terribly dangerous for dogs and cats so you know there's a whole episode on that so you know this i try to make it 
entertaining but also informative mm. <laughs> for the sciencey yeah. sciencey minded and and unfortunately i tr- so okay i should have given you the warning label before you listen to it because there's total <laughs> there's gr- there's gross outness to it right like yeah. and there's a couple episodes where i specifically slapped that label on there because i knew we were going to be talking about disgusting things <laughs> i try to like intersperse like you know so there's a couple like i have like look, some repeating segments that i try to get in there like i'll have like like there's a stupid breed segment so like you know talk because boy do we see some stupid freaking breeds in this practice like i mean like you know like mm. things like sharpays or hairless cats chihuahuas we talked about and that's like more of like a historical context of like how we've come to have these like bizarre animals that people pay a lot of money for and therefore have a lot of and usually the ones that i'm talking about these are going to be the ones that I see in crisis. Like these are the ones that I see in health crises caused directly by the fact that they have been bred specifically to be a special thing that humans want to pay thousands of dollars for. So it's a bit of a moral message up in there too. (laughs) Cause you know, I, I feel like people should know what they're, people just shop online and they don't really know what they're, paying for you know they don't really know what they're getting and like like how we came to be so you know I feel like there's a there's an element of that too like I want to educate people about what what the veterinary world sees that you may not see (laughs) (laughs) with your with your normal people eyes as opposed to our veterinary gross out eyes (laughs) like what we see every day awesome (laughs) amazing so you have so much going on but when you finally were like, I think I got to make this shift. How did people around you react? Like, oh, what was yeah, the, that's such a good question. Feel? You know, I think because, you know, the, because I'd been doing some volunteer work with the with the animals at the SFSPCA, it wasn't too much of a surprise. And I think also like just the movement away from stage management and away from the dinner circus, like that didn't surprise people at all. Like, you know, I, I like moving away from, I think like that was the part that was predictable. Like, you know, telling people that like, God, this is like, I, this isn't sustainable. I can't do this anymore. That didn't surprise people at all because I'd been the one not able to go to the wedding or not able to go to the party or not able to go to the thing. Like I'd been that person for years, you know, like, Oh, let's do this. Let's invite Nicole, even though she can't come. <laughs> so like <Yep. laughs> that part of it was not surprising. They're like, oh, thank God. But then I think doing veterinary medicine, I had to really tell people what it was, you know, like I had to learn what it was initially over a period of like a year or two years. And then I had to educate everybody else about like, no, this is like really a thing. Like people do this and like it's cool. And like, you know, it'll be it's like stage management, but like for animals, but like with medicine and I could kind of sell it that way. But I think that, you know, going back to school, that's never a bad idea. Like it it never in any circumstance, I cannot think of a circumstance where going back to school to educate yourself about something new is a bad plan. That's always good. So, you know, that part of it, you know, I was very well supported through that. And thank God, my beautiful wife, who I'm been married, married for the last, um, uh, oh God, two years now, but been together for mm-hmm. much, much, much longer. 
we met at Berkeley Rep, and she is still to this. I mean, now COVID screwed everything up, but she <laughs> is a, a production a production electrician and a production manager. And we met at Berkeley Rep, you know, while we were running shows together, oh. and she really supported me for that entire process of me going back to school. And I was doing classes in the morning, and then I would work emergency at night. And the, you know, the way she refers to it, she's like, "I am so proud of you for doing that." but we'll never do that again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, honey. Okay. No, I'm good now. I'm good. I'm good. Cause like, you know, you don't, you're not making a living wage, like going to school and then like working like, you know, a half shift of emergency and vet med at night. That's just not a thing. So she, you know, we financially had to make a plan together. So I was very fortunate that I was well supported during that whole transition, but I don't think anybody was surprised that I wanted to get out of stage management. It's just, right. it's a, it's a hard path to tread, but you know yeah. what I didn't realize until I did it. Um, I don't think anybody else really kind of put this together or if they did, we didn't really talk about it is that when you're in that world, like you see the same people kind of in various degrees of, of seeing them. Like, you know, like you kind of have the same sound people that might bounce around the same stage managers that might bounce around. The directors will be similar. They'll request you like the actors you all are familiar with. Cause in the Bay area, it's a small pool. And yeah. then even coming from New York or LA, you kind of see the same faces. Like all of those people disappeared from my life. You know, it was like they, if you're not in the, in the circle, you don't see them. And I had this weird moment of like, oh, I mean, you could, you still, I mean, this is social media world now. So I feel like, you know, that, that part of it, you were able to keep in touch, like I'm able to keep in touch with people, but because the schedule is so rigorous and so insular without working in the environment, you just, you don't have the same contact with those people and I didn't anticipate that like I had a little bit of a weird kind of like loneliness moment about that that I was like oh these are these people that I've spent the last 10 years seeing every day in various forms and all of a sudden they're gone you know I have to like really work hard to see them like they like my friends from high school had to work hard to see me like all of a sudden I'm that person right mm -hmm. Yeah, so that part was kind. Of, that part was was kind of weird. But you know, thank God for social media, right? I mean, like you know, I, I, I feel like it's got its strengths, and that's one of them. Is I'm still able to keep in touch with all those folks. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you've really incorporated? Do you think that you've really incorporated, you know, your skills, your stage management skills, and your theater skills into your veterinary life and you think it kind of gives you do you think it maybe even gives you like a edge mm, over that's people? a good question you know you had I think you asked this to one of your other oh from your guest who was from North Dakota Emily was that her name from North Dakota that lovely person uh, that, that you talked to oh, Erica but I remember like her her response was very good like she was like you know once you're a theater person and once you're at work in that environment of like unpredictability and problem solving, it doesn't matter what role you played. You could be an actor, you could be backstage, you could be the wardrobe person, you could be a freaking stitcher in the shop. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like that environment is so crazy and kind of in like mentally stimulating that you can take those skills of problem solving and, and management of time and all of that and translate that anywhere. Like I think stage managers, they can do anything because we did so much stuff on the fly 
And then stuff that wasn't on the fly. We had to plan for stuff. Every show's different. Like mm-hmm. in this show, there's a swimming pool on stage. How are you going to deal with that every day? Like, and just like, you know, like, so stuff that you would prepare for, but then also stuff where like, you're running the show with the swimming pool and all of a sudden it's leaking during the show where somebody's about to run a big bare light bulb cable that's going to swim through it. Like, you know, like that type of on the fly, uh-oh, I mean, that translates mm-hmm. everywhere. I, th- I think that, like, you know, you can take all of those skills as a theater person and you have d- the world is your oyster. Like, pick a thing. That's why I love telling people that. Like, people are nervous about transitioning out of stage management or stage management or theater work into something else. I'm like, you are like like four steps ahead of everybody else because you have tried you have tried and succeeded multiple times. Every show's different. Like every show has different people, different situations, different process. And you navigate that every time. Like you you have to kind of put all the puzzle pieces together. And that's a lot of what I do now. Like, you know, a lot lot of what I do now is more um, planning than I used to do. You know, like emergency, very in the moment. Like, you know, you never know what's coming through the door. You never know what the disease process is going to be. Um, you never know how fast the evening is going to be or how slow the evening is going to be. Like, you know, if it's a quiet night and that's like a thing in emergency, don't say the Q word because then something mm-hmm. crazy is going to happen. But, mm-hmm. you know, the that kind of unpredictability, it, it doesn't scare you because you're like, whatever, that's like on a daily basis. Like, well, that's, that's, that's every night. That's every night when you call the lights to go down. Like, what's going to happen next? You, can't, you can prepare, but it's like the weather. You can only prepare. Like, you know, it's going to, it's going to be what it's going to be. Right. So, you know, I think that there's now the job that I do, um, because there are surgeries that are planned or procedures that are planned and you, ha- and, and they're very complicated. I mean, like a lot of what I do now is kind of human medicine adjacent where they're doing research on medical procedures or on pharmaceutical products or something like that, that takes a lot of planning for all the way from, uh, the the scientists who are developing the certain thing, pr- pr- maybe offsite even, like there's something that's in the works that's from Italy right now, so communicating with that laboratory to UCSF. Uh, and then there's human doctors that I work with who are doing clinical work in the hospital, but then also doing research work to better the human medicine world with us. And so it all of those devices that happen, like veterinary medicine, you know, it's a, it's a world of no money. So all of the stuff that you're using, you one-time use stuff in human medicine, that's like multiple times in, in veterinary medicine. So we reuse a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff that's kind of, you know, like kind of put, piecing human medicine things together that are for, probably for pediatrics because like, you know, kids are smaller, animals are smaller. But in this world that I'm in now, it's incredibly complex because everything that we're doing is directly from the human medicine world. So like think cardiac procedures that involve pressure volume loops and wedge pressures in various chambers of your heart with electrodes and voltage mapping of your atrium. What is all that? I mean, that's all stuff (laughs) that I've had to learn since I've been there. So I think that now it's, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, walking into a, walking into the rehearsal hall for the first time and being like, what do we have today? It's like, I walk into you know, a meeting with the lab that's got a new thing they're going to do. And I'm like, what do we have today, everybody? Oh, I have no idea what that even is. Very good. <laughs> Let's work this out. Yeah. Amazing. So it, it all translates. I thought, I thought, I thought that Erica put that very well. It's like, you know, theater kids, they got it. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, then that sort of leads into the final question, really. What what do you say to yourself? Do you have sort of like a, a motto or philosophy that when you're looking out on the, like the, the, the new unknown that you kind of hold on to, to keep you going? Oh, I, so I had to think about this cause I, I don't, I didn't really, I don't really have, I feel like that my, my kind of career trajectory has changed so many times that I, you know, I, I didn't really know if I had something that translated to, to all of them, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, cause I, I would think like, you know, like, you know, an emergency, it's like, like I would say that weather thing a lot when we were working with either like actors who were difficult or if we were working in emergency and somebody was anxious about a phone call that had come in and something's going to come in the door and they're like, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to be. And it's like, well, like the weather, <laughs> we can, we can all, all you can do is prepare. So I used to say that all the time. But then I think like, you know, in my own, in my own life experience, I, I ran upon this quote that I had not thought about in years. And I have you guys to thank for me rediscovering this quote. So it's from some, (laughs) it's, it's it's from some like Frenchy French philosopher out at like Jean Girondeau or something. So he says, only the mediocre are always at their best. Mm -hmm. Oh. Ah, no, right. Just let that, just let that sink in. (laughs) I, I love that quote. Only the mediocre are always at their best. That gives you so much. I think that that gives you room to be fearless and like so much room to grow, you know, because it it means don't settle. Like, you know, if you're, if you're not trying, if you're not trying something that you know you may fail at, that just falls into mediocre world. Like that's boring. That's that's a nothing. But if you're, but it, it also gives you room to be the best at something. Like if you try something and you freaking do it, and then you're like, oh my god, I just like did this thing that I had no idea that I could do. Like that's that's a that's a huge deal. Like that's then you get to be your best for that day. But you only can be your best for that day if you continue growing and you continue trying because you can't be afraid of the new right you can't be afraid of being you can't be afraid of being happy like if you're sitting in your world and stuff sucks I mean you got to do something else but it means that you have to kind of put your fears and your and your anxiety aside your anxiety is lying to you like try something else you could be awesome so I'm so glad that you guys helped me rediscover that quote because I totally like I totally found it in one of my old notebooks and I wrote it down and I put it like on a little post-it note next to my computer I was like oh yeah this is good this is good I like this (laughs) I love that so Nicole why don't you tell everybody how they can find you Oh, yes. yes. So, okay. So if you're interested in veterinary medicine or in emergency veterinary medicine or just veterinary medicine science in general or science in general, that works too. Um, you can always find me on catdisgusted.com. Um, catdisgusted.com will lead you to the Facebook page. Um, and then there's links on how to listen to it there. You can listen to it on SoundCloud. Um, I've got on the Apple iTunes now. And then there's a there's a thing called Podbean. Some people are Podbean fans. So mm-hmm. you can find Cat Disgusted there too. Um, 
the Facebook page for Cat Disgusted. I always encourage people to like it and like comment on things. And like, you can always like private message me. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people, obviously I like to talk. And so yeah. I will talk to you about all the things. <laughs> Tori's really um, used to that because you, you don't know <laughs> me so well, but um, that is, <laughs> that is, that is also my thing. So Tori has, is very, very used to the, people that like to talk because that's <laughs> right yes. I heard I mean this is very difficult like... for me because you got to do all the talking uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. oh we'll reverse it we'll have to reverse it we'll have to do like the cat disgusted version to have you guys on for something yeah I mean we're is, down oh I, right? I don't I don't Please. I don't have any pets um well, oh no, you, yeah well I I also don't have any pets but that's because um, my parents were horrific humans who felt we didn't deserve pets <gasps> and uh, as children. And also my sister's allergic to cats. Oh, so yes, I, yes, and that's real. As are most of my very good friends. So at some point when I have my own place, which is maybe this summer, um, I'll hopefully be getting a cat. But I need to figure out how to care for a cat because I believe it's more than feeding <laughs> them, providing them with a fluffy place and getting them new sand every so often. Oh, well, you'd be surprised. You got the basics down. <laughs> but, like, I would not, like, if someone was like, yes, I knew that my cat had XYZ because because all of a sudden they were, like, just not eating food. And I was like, oh, cat's on a diet. Good for her. <laughs> right? yeah. I, it, it wouldn't even register to me. Oh, girl, we going to yeah. be in touch. And see, I was... <laughs> I am the I am the friend that's allergic to cats and then since I'm I've always lived in apartments because I'm allergic to cats um I would only my only option would be a dog and I just in theater I just always felt like that Oh was there's really, no way. There's yeah, no way. I mean it's you can't impossible care for a dog and so but I am looking to get one soon so <gasps> yes maybe that is the thing. Yay. We, well see and like that's that's the thing right is like you know I feel like it's a uh, you want to be like, I feel like my, my whole goal is to be like, you know, everybody should be able to like, at, like veterinary technicians are freaking heroes in the world. And like, I, I would just love for everybody to know the amazing work that like my friends are doing every mm -hmm. day. Like as we speak, like when you're going to bed at night after Christmas, there's a veterinary technician that's triaging something, you know, it's like it yeah. happens mm -hmm. all hours of the day. Yeah. So I mean, that, absolutely. That the, the listening to Cat Disgusted, that's a place that's a place to start. <laughs> yeah. If you're not into cats and dogs and pigs and rabbits and you can always find the Stellar Madness on YouTube or Barrel Nicole on YouTube, that's probably the best places to go. Mm -hmm. um, I, and, oh, and there's a merch page. I forgot that my friend Paul had has a, a threadless page, this stellar merchness, <laughs> which is all the T-shirts. <laughs> Buy awesome. a T-shirt, support a local band. <laughs> amazing amazing nicole thank you Aww. this i was not yeah. wrong this was the most fun oh um, you guys are the best i really support what you guys are about i think it's really especially right now when everyone's jobs are going haywire and all over the place or becoming non-existent like it's so important to remember like what makes you happy like what makes you feel like you're you're like you're worthy in the world you know and that's what you guys are doing I think it's great oh thank you so much thank you and thanks yeah, for seriously. reaching out <laughs> oh yeah poaching friends I'm all about it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you will this be mine such a hoot such a hoot thank you so so much Nicole absolutely we really appreciate oh it. you guys are the best Mwah. Ah, oh, all right. And also, thank you to Josh Kreitzman for our theme song. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of Uncharted Territory. 
Until next time, remember, the, the territory, territory may, may be uncharted, uncharted, but it is not insurmountable. They refer to it as a rabbit and larger, like anything larger than a rat. So oh. ra- uh, I know. Right? That's, I think she said rabbit and larger. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I like, know. I was like, I was like, please make the rabbits larger. No, I was like, where is this? They're going? so snuggly, right? <laughs> but in but in this world, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> oh yes. You used to travel the winding road. Yeah.